Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora. Welcome to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Probably most people know the local body elections are coming up. And this Friday, the voting documents is going to start being sent out. And it means we will get a chance to read about all the candidates. Yeah, so you, you sit there and you read through all the bios and <laughs> it takes ages and you try and work out who you're going to cross out and who you're going to keep in and which is your number one. So just to save you a little bit of time, we've brought one of the candidates in. Um, and I feel really bad, Luana, because I didn't check how to spell your, how to say your last name. <laughs> Luana, I would say Scowcroft, but. Close. Scowcroft. Scowcroft. Close enough. Luana Scowcroft, who is a candidate in the Motukarangi Eastern Ward. Hi, Luana. Thanks for coming in. Kia ora, Sadie. Kia ora, Trish. Nice to see both of you. Yeah, I really, I wanted to talk to you, if you don't mind, about just get a bit of a background on you and talk about your early life. Um, I know that you grew up in the Cook Islands. Were you born there? Uh, my mum actually came over to Aotearoa to have me, but I was back there 10 days later. So <laughs> it's kind of easier to say born and bred. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Which part of the Cook Islands? Uh, in Rarotonga. So um, my grandparents moved to Rarotonga in the 70s and built one of the first hotels there. And um, and then my, my mum grew up there and my kids now are, I guess, fourth generation non-Indigenous Cook Islanders. Um, and I have a very special upbringing story, I guess, where I was brought up by both my parents and also my mama, who's an Indigenous Cook Islander and a kind of a whangai type, um, we call it feeding child in the Cook Islands. Yeah, actually, I saw that your mum had won some award recently, is that right? Yeah, my mum's like uh, one of those OG environmentalists. Um, she used to pull me out of school to go on the marches back home and um, I remember, I think I must have been about five or six. I'm a baby, really. <laughs> um, I must have been about five or six and we were protesting um, the Mururua testing um, and Gaston Floss, the French president at the time, was coming mm. through Rarotonga and we, uh, yeah, set up all these kind of roadblocks to try and stop him from getting where he wanted to be. Um, and I got to paint the banner on the Rainbow Warrior that went to Mururoa. So that was pretty special. That's very special. Yeah. yeah. I wore one of those um, Kite La Pacifique uh, badges when I was in Paris and people wanted to buy it off me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, so that must have been pretty amazing. Do you think that's affected the way you think about the world now, having grown up in Rarotonga? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, you know, I, I refer to it as home. Um, the Cook Islands is my is my home, and um, it absolutely shaped my worldview. I guess you know, with the kind of the centre of our value system is about supporting one another and kind of being a community that looks after one another and where everyone can kind of thrive. Um, and I think I didn't realise I moved. I was living back, uh, back home for seven and a half years and moved back to Wellington three years ago with my two young children. And I think I probably didn't realise the culture shock, I think, that I would um, – I didn't appreciate the culture shock that I'd feel when I moved here as a parent, which was quite different to living right. here as a kind of fancy-free uh, mm-hmm. young person um, flatting in Wellington when I last left. That must have been quite a big move with kids. It was. Uh, and the plan was always to move back here to Pornike, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived here for a few years and – fell in love with the city and I just this to be honest apart here or Rarotonga there's nowhere I really I'd, I'd rather be um we wanted to move somewhere where 
we could raise our children in, um, I guess, a little bit of a liberal bubble. Um, you know, we, we've got some big challenges back home. Um, homosexuality, for example, is still in the Crimes Act in the Cook Islands, and that wasn't somewhere um, necessarily that we wanted. We didn't want our kids growing up thinking that that was okay to think um, that you know who you love is is a problem at all. Mm-hmm. So that was a big move. That was a big kind of thing for us and moving back here. And when you moved back, did you, I know you've owned some businesses. Is that when you got into? Um, no. Like, so, um, back in the cooks, I moved back to work for government. So, um, I was working for, I was in the public sector here, working at MSD and saw some of my friends back home working for government in the cooks. And they were like 28. And I remember one of them was 28 and he was the consumer commissioner. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I can go home and I can, I can get a really good job. Um, and then come back here and I guess bring that knowledge. Cause I, I've, I've always thought the knowledge that I bring, you know, as someone who grew up in the Pacific, as a Cook Islander, is really unique and I think can benefit, you know, government here. So I thought that's something I can learn and I can do and then come back here. And I got back and I realised, oh, government's a, a little bit, um, I think corrupts probably. Um, at that time, it was a little bit challenging, I think, from my value set to, to work in that space. Uh, so I ended up working with an environmental NGO, it's Ipukaria Society, um, and then started a tourism business. So um, I kind of got fed up. I guess my tourism's in my blood. I grew up in hotels, mm-hmm. um, tried to stay away from it for a long time. Um, I had quite challenge as a, you know, environmentalist, particularly around climate and having worked in the climate space. I had some challenging feelings about that. Um, and I just kind of got fed up with the the real transactional extractive form of tourism that I was seeing increasingly happening to my, to my community, mm. um, and my, my whenua. And so, um, I set out to prove what I now understand to be a very expensive and very time consuming point, um, and built an eco resort. I wanted to prove, to, yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> I, I know that now in hindsight. I'm like, God, what was I thinking? Um, but I wanted to prove to, I guess, the old boys of tourism that, sustainability and doing things the right way can be the reason you make money um, and managed to do that. It was really successful, more successful, I think, than you know, I expected it to be and sold it six months before COVID. So feeling pretty <laughs> stoked with myself there. <laughs> well, that's lucky. How old were you when you set that up? 24. Wow, that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I... I was in a bit of a rush in my life, to be honest. I've probably done a bit of a lifetime of things already. Um, I'm 33 and I've kind of done, yeah, a lot of things already and I sort of keep intending to slow down, but then I get passionate about something else. Please don't slow down. Please don't <laughs> slow down. You're not going to be able to slow down if you no, get into council. Absolutely not. <laughs> so that was one business. What were you, What was your other um, so I also had, before that actually, um, I started a, uh, kind of employment business, recruitment business, I guess you'll say. So in the Cooks, we have, um, there's approximately 15,000 Cook Islanders living on our, across our 15 islands. Um, and in Auckland, Tamaki Makoto alone, there's 58,000 Cook Islanders. Uh, and we've got a real problem, you know, especially at that time, it was a booming tourism industry. That was our main industry. And we were really struggling to fill jobs, essentially, and, and support and sustain that industry in a way that, you know, was was going to work. And so um, the, I felt quite frustrated by the government and not really looking at how to 
incentivize and bring our people home. So there was a big focus on bringing in people from elsewhere, um, either in the Pacific or the Philippines to come and work mm. in these jobs. Um, and we had this whole incredible talent of people in Aotearoa who had no idea that they, that these roles existed. Um, there was a little bit of, a lot of people left in the early nineties in a recession and never came home and have talked about it, but there was no way to find out what jobs there were. So I was living in Aotearoa and my mum would literally send me clippings, take a photo of a newspaper clipping and email it to me to tell me when there were jobs going. And this is in this internet world. So I, I started a website basically that had the jobs available and also put the salary bands so people could realistically see what that would mean for them and their whānau um, moving home. So managed to get Gosh, I don't know like the official total, but like I reckon probably a couple hundred people home through that, which to me was was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you want to not just have that one way flow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sold that and um, then started Ikurangi. Right. Yeah. And were there more businesses? Oh, there was one, but it was yeah. it was uh, it was just a total failure. Um, <laughs> happy to talk about it though. <laughs> Trish has heard the story already. Um, oh, let's have the story. But yeah, look, I was working at um, Tsipukaria Society, working in, um, I guess I, I kind of did a bit of sustainability consultancy stuff as well. And we have a lot of, like New Zealand, a lot of communities who support the government to do some of the things probably the government should be doing, uh, especially in the social sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, started what I thought was a great idea at the time, but um, hindsight, um, was essentially like a volunteer tourism type thing. So people could come over, kind of setting up like the woofing type system. They could come over, they could volunteer, but they it would be like a paid experience, right? So you, you had them at that time and going to Africa and kind of Southern Asia and places like that. Um, and that was the, the concept. But people... Um, we weren't we weren't poor enough for the people who wanted to come. <laughs> to be honest, that kind of poverty, you know, the, a lot of yeah, it was kind of combating against that kind of poverty tourism thing, and I felt really uncomfortable moving into that space. So, just <clears throat> called it a day. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Two out of three is not too bad. Not too bad, <laughs> especially. When oh, you're there's been a couple days. more, but they're just small ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to B Side Stories. We're here on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM and we're talking to Luana Scowscrowcroft. Sorry. Oh my God. Luana Scowcroft. Remember the name. Remember how to pronounce it. And Luana is a candidate in the Motukarangi Ward in the upcoming elections. And we were just talking about your upbringing in the Cook Islands and about the various businesses that you got going even when you were really young, which is incredible. So then you ended up bringing your children back to New Zealand. And did you settle in Te Whanganui Atara immediately or? That was always the plan. Um, we didn't know where we were going to live, uh, so kind of just rolled with it. Had a short-term rental for a couple months and furiously looked for a house. Uh, and it was, I think, we got the last affordable house in Wellington, sorry, team. <laughs> um, right in the centre of Hitaitai, which is the dream. My kids can walk to school. Um I can be on the bus and in the city in seven minutes. If the bus doesn't turn up, <clears throat> I can walk. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And the community's actually been amazing as well. Mm-hmm. It is amazing to be able to know that you can walk to anywhere. That was our mm-hmm. rule. And again, 
because I'm a little bit older than you, <laughs> we bought when it was still relatively affordable. Um, and our rule was, yeah, it's got to be within hours walking distance of town. Mm. And we're so lucky to have that. And I guess, you know, walkable neighbourhoods would be something mm. that I'd be keen to see from, you know, council pushing in. They are currently. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Um, I think the last uh, last month's Urban Nerds, or possibly the month before, um, there was a presentation about the 15-minute... Paradise. Paradise. 15-minute neighbourhood, 15-minute paradise. Oh, and... Um, it just makes so much sense. And the idea is obviously that, you know, anywhere you need to be, you can be in 15 minutes um, walking or, or cycling or on a mm. bus, I guess, as well, potentially. Um, and I actually, I was at the Newtown Market on the weekend with the rest of my fellow Green Party candidates. Um, and I spoke to a guy there in the playground who I'd spoken to the last time I was at the Newtown Market. And he was like, hey, thanks for telling me about that 15-minute paradise thing. I went and had a look at it, and I've actually used it in my submission on the um, on the district plan. And I was like, "Great, I love this." Yeah, you know, it's um. Hey, when do submissions close on the district plan? Oh man, yesterday, yeah, oh, five p.m. Um, <laughs> I and it's, so many submissions. <laughs> it is. I know this is this is a reality, and actually, that's one of the things that I'm really excited about for when I'm on council is looking at how we do that because for some people that's a really great process and they're really good at it. They find that something that, you know, is is some, a meaningful way they can contribute. But actually that's not the case for everyone. I'm a parent with young kids. I haven't made a single submission. And I'm really, like, I'm honest about that because for me that's it's a challenging thing to sit down to, you know, get through all that stuff while I was working full-time as well. Um and, you know, I see when I talk to my Pacific community in, in Te Whanganui Atara, especially out in Motu Kairangi, they've never made a submission either. It's not an accessible format all the time. So I'm really interested in how, you know, we can bring that, you know, I guess build those relationships in the community. So we're having those conversations rather than putting the work on the community to, to come to council. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's almost like a full-time job. You're like, oh, well, next I've got a cycling one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, definitely if someone comes to you and asks. It's yeah. overwhelming for a lot of people as well too mm. to sit down and, and look at these forms, you know, and stuff that they don't fully understand and you have to read a lot before you, you submit on things. And it's just t- making that easier so there's more community participation and engagement and us you know, or city council coming out and and talking to people more Mm. as well too. I think it's really important. So it's it's actually a question I was going to ask you later on, but because that is something I've noticed, you go along to the Meet the Candidates meetings and there's a certain type of person there and you just feel like, you know, and I I go to them and it's all good fun, but you feel like, okay, where are the other people? And, I mean, voting turnout is still below 50% in Wellington. I mean, how... What are your ideas for how to engage those people who are not currently engaging with politics? So that is, I guess, my probably one of the top things that I'm passionate about in this space and one of the top reasons why I actually decided to um, put my name forward for this this crazy challenge. Um, but, look, I think making things um, – I guess I'm not a fan of and, – and, Trish, I hope you don't kick me from across the table. Um, I'm not a fan of the consultation process and the way we do consultation. It feels very, and I I know I've talked about this in terms of tourism before, but extractive and and transactional from communities, especially when we talk about mana whenua and we're constantly wanting their, um, their feedback and their input and their 
signatures on things. Um, we're putting so much work on the same groups of people in a way that works for the government, but not for communities. And so I'm so here for scrapping the consultation process. Yeah, I know. Bold. <laughs> I'm, raising my, I'm raising my eyebrows. Like, oh, yeah, no, uh, you yeah. know, bold. But actually, we need to form relationships, genuine relationships. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is actually think about in the context of, um, you know, put the community and the people at the centre of those conversations and think, okay, so for this group of mana whenua, yes, there's three different parts of council trying to talk to them about three different things right now. Then you've got central government, maybe seven different agencies trying mm-hmm. to do the same thing. And actually, um, you know, that that's that's not fair on them. And they're not able to think of the, the, the best perspectives on things as well. So if you have relationships where you actually just have a conversation about things, I think that that's more meaningful. Nice one. Yeah. I'm glad you've been thinking about it. You can tell I'm passionate. I'm at the edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah. No, you are. <laughs> um, I just realised, though, that we've been letting off the hook. <laughs> oh, let's go. Yeah, we need to we need to wind it back because I know that this isn't the first time you've been on the radio. You've got radio oh. experience running your own radio show. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to hear about that. Okay, so... Uh, in the cooks, um, we have, it's kind of, you know, big fish, small pond, I guess, in a lot of situations. You have access to opportunities that you would never get here in Aotearoa. And so when I was a kid, I made a documentary on the rights of the child. Um, it's terrible and you can never find it anywhere. Um, I was also in an all-girl pop group. Uh, we made a CD and a music video. Um Phenomenal, and also you can never find that anywhere. Um, But I I was on a radio show called Teen Scene. Um, Ironically, I was a tween. I wasn't even a teen. Um, But, yeah, we, me and my friends had this radio show uh, on our one national radio station, 630 kilohertz, uh, where we just kind of had people ringing in. There were no texting or anything in those days. Ringing in, um, telling, you know, sending out little requests for people, putting on love songs, uh, a lot Aww. of 1997 hits, you know, like a lot of like kind of bewitched, power ballads, power ballads a lot of Celine, um, yeah, we uh, a lot of Spice Girls, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't particularly highbrow, but um, I'm here for it. Still on my playlist. I mean, you can't go wrong, <laughs> teen scene, such a good title. <laughs> um. So you said that you decided to run for council because you wanted to try and um, engage parts of the community who maybe weren't, maybe didn't have a voice and you want to give a voice to those people. It's still a big call to suddenly go, you know what, I'm going to, you know, run to be a councillor. So yeah. how did you come to that decision? Um, I'm one of those few people who it's actually – alongside being a quiz mistress. It's actually my dream job. Um, I know. It's no one's dream job. Uh, people are always like, why do you want to do this? Um, but look, I've always been super interested in politics and I think where I can make the most impact and give the most back to the community that I'm serving. And I think being out there, having conversations with people, listening to people, engaging people in the process is something that I've figured through my career I'm I'm okay at I'm pretty good at um and I was seeing the way that things were being done and I just kind of thought do you know what I think I could probably do a better job than some of the councillors and it's, I know it's the most unkiwi and especially 
Kiwi woman thing to say in the world, but you know, I I just thought it was um, yeah, it was somewhere I could contribute. I, I guess in a meaningful way. Um, really, I guess the driver for me has been bringing my kids back here to Te Whanganui Atara and wanting them to be able to love and enjoy this place in the way that we do, mm. you know? Um, everyone loves their kids. Everyone's trying to do the best for their kids. And sometimes we get it wrong. Um, but when we think about, you know, putting things like climate at the centre of that and, and thinking in intergenerational terms um, rather than three-year cycles, then that can only make, make good change, right? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you're running on a green ticket. How's that been? Yeah, so um, it's been phenomenal. Like we're a tight team, and actually, you know, you'll you'll see us all like bigging up each other on social media. We're actually we've all become friends, which I really appreciate. And we've got different perspectives on things, and that's okay. And we have really robust, really respectful corridor around that, um, which I really appreciate. And you know, we all bring something really different, I think, to the table. Uh, the other thing, you know, as a relatively unknown person here in uh, Pōneke, I, to be frank, like I need the support of the party in order to get elected. You know, if you're an old white guy who has tons of money or has been here and has tons of time and profile, run as an independent. Sure, great. Um, but to be frank, you know, if we want more diverse candidates and we want different kinds of people with different experiences on council – parties offer that opportunity there's you know the infrastructure the volunteers the the support so it's been awesome actually right and yeah. I guess it sounds like your values very much align so yeah obviously yeah obviously so. I mean that's been one of the things I think um I mean it was it was going to be green or nothing like I, that yeah I think being upfront about where your values are is really important um I've been really interested in some of the corridor that some of our more right-wing candidates have been you know, talking about with, um, you know, they're, they're not affiliated to a party, but you don't have to scratch the surface very far to find that that's not necessarily the case. And uh, they may not be a member of a party, mm-hmm. but actually, you know, they were at a national party fundraiser six months ago or something. You know, I mean, it's, I just feel like we're being transparent and upfront. Um, and look, in terms of the Green Party co-papa, the overall co-papa and I guess the vision, we have, we share that as a team. Um, that hasn't, that hasn't changed over my life from being a young Green and, you know, working in the Green Party offices in Tamaki Makoto for Keith Locke, uh, right. which, yep, yeah, uh, which was years ago now. Um, and I was a young student at that time and my, you know, the Green Party co-pop aligned with my values through to being an overseas voter and someone looking back, you know, looking back at mm. Aotearoa and seeing what was happening, now through to being a, a parent with young kids and looking to the future. And, and that co-pop has remained you know, as my own, I guess, you know, my own aligning with my own values. So, yeah. I can't remember if you already told us this. What did you study at university? I didn't tell you this yet. Um, so I studied social sciences and Māori development. Um, and I went on, I started a master's. Um, I was very lucky. I was. I, I had a job there as a Pacifica um, tuakana. And so they, they sort of, AUT sort of said, oh, look, if you, if you stick around and do your masters, we'll, we'll give you a job as a lecturer at the end. And I thought, oh, that's, that's cool. That feels really great. Um, yeah, I don't have the patience to be an academic, turns out. Um, and look, I was trying to study for my masters. It was pre climate being, I guess, a mainstream thing. Um, it was probably about 
2006 even maybe um and I was trying to study the I guess I think the 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 topic was the human rights implications on Pacific people as climate refugees Mm. which is a big topic and at that time there was no one I no one was doing that mahi and um so trying to find support I guess in, in in that space was really hard so I I did half of it one day I might go back but um other people have done some really cool mahi in that space so you know maybe leave it to them what do your kids think about you running for council oh my god okay uh Evie who is six is beside herself um so we've like I've always tried to kind of bring them into understanding about voting and democracy and why that's important and representation. So the last general election, we took them along to vote at the local Tai Tai Centre and was explaining about, um, at that time she was she was quite wee, and so we were talking about the boss of New Zealand, you know, and we talk about Jacinda being the boss of New Zealand, but also New Zealand is the boss of her. And she's like, yeah, cool, I get that, great. Um, and so when I decided to run for council, I was like, so I'm trying to be, I guess, one of the bosses of Wellington and also Wellington will be the boss of me. And she was like, yeah, sweet. I love this. Let's go. And so she comes with me to campaign events. She hands out leaflets at the Tai Tai market. She goes around and like, make sure everyone's got a leaflet. Um, Who you know, can refuse a leaflet from a cute kid? I mean, <laughs> she's doing it. She's, she's choosing to do it. You know, like I've been very careful about being yes, like absolutely. talking to her about, you know, what she's comfortable doing and not. Yeah. Um, then, you know, when we drive, we drive down the road now that all the billboards and stuff are up, she'll be like, mum. And I'll be like, what? She's like, oh no, just, there's your face, you know, <laughs> as we're driving past or whatever. And it's, it's quite cute. The little one doesn't un- understand quite as much, but she's, you know, she's, she's stuck. She's got a little campaign t-shirt and she, you know, she loves it. Um, actually at my, just a cute little anecdote. Um, at my campaign launch, I got up to make my speech and I was so nervous. And um, I keep looking over and seeing Evie, my six-year-old, looking at me and really intense, like right in the front row. And then later on, I was walking her home and she was like, Mom, did you see me crying? And I was like, no, are you all right? She goes, I'm just so proud of you. (laughs) And actually, like, that's it, you know, like I just kind of want to make them proud of what we're doing. Mm. Um, Yeah, and she came up with my campaign slogan, which is quite cool, which is um, taking care of Wellington. And I asked, you know, why do you think I want to run for council? And she went, Mama, you just want to take care of Wellington. And I was like, yeah, man, that's what I want to do. So that's quite a cool little thing. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any other particular areas of interest other than you've, you know, you've mentioned some of them, but mm. I know that it's like when we have had Laurie in here, she's always wanted to get back to talk about sludge. That's her thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's one of her things. She's very, yeah, she's, yeah, she's all about that. She is. She? Yeah. I can't offer you anything as glamorous as sludge. Um, but, look, I guess one of the other big things for me is tetiriti. Um mm-hmm. And I've been disappointed looking at how local government across the board has responded to their responsibilities as a tetiriti partner. Um you know, Jill Day and Tam and others have put some awesome work in in the last triennium to really kind of getting that right here in Porniki. But I guess as a whole, local government, um, excuse me, has kind of, I think, kind of abdicated their own their responsibilities in this space, you know. Um, while they have the responsibilities of the Crown in order to enact and engage at a local level through legislation, 
there's a bit of a grey area as to whether they're a treaty partner. So often are kind of like, oh, no, it's not us. It's just central government. They're the crown. It's not us. Um, but for communities, for Māori, for te tiriti partners, te tau iwi, the government's the government, right? It's it's one kind of mushy entity that, that looks after us and, and helps us kind of get through. And so, yeah, I just I'm really interested in how we can – rather than waiting for the local government review, which I hope will really answer a lot of those questions across the motu. But I think here in Puneke carry on that good work that a couple of, of really, really committed councillors have started and, um, yeah, just kind of start walking the talk. What are you most looking forward to if you do you get elected? When I get elected. When you get elected. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh. That's a great question. Um, I guess just really starting to form some of those relationships with the rest of the council, so the non-elected officials. I think there's been a real disconnect there um, and kind of a, a, an erosion, I guess, of, of respect and trust, I think, probably from both sides, to be frank. Um, and by both sides, I mean elected officials and council staff. And so really excited about finding out who the – you know, who the people are, who the right people are to go to to know about this, who the experts are, because they're the experts, frankly. We're just there for governance. We're not the experts in things. I say we as, as if I'm already a city councillor. <laughs> but councils aren't the experts in these things, and they're not elected to be experts in these things. They're elected to be experts in governance and making good decision-making and bold decision-making and creating a vision for the city and supporting and enabling council staff to do their jobs and I think there's been a bit of a hindrance there in some cases yeah so yeah a bit of relationship building yeah totally I mean that's my jam actually (laughs) relationship building across the uh, yeah whether it's internally um or externally because it's the community that's missing out right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. how have you found um being on the campaign trail is the first time you've Mm. run to being council yeah how's that experience been um Mostly I love it. Um, I'm, you know, again, I'm having conversations particularly, and it's, it's kind of personally been quite an interesting journey because I'm, I'm getting to meet my Cook Islands community, you know, a lot more and who no one's ever come to talk to them before, frankly. Um, and so that's been something that's been really like personally quite special. Uh, I think one of the hardest things has been middle-aged men explaining politics to me. I had a guy I was talking, yeah, uh, a guy I was talking to on Sunday in Lyle Bay, um, who asked me some you know, series of really like quite meaty, difficult questions, and I'm here for it. I'm like, yeah, let's have those conversations. But then at the end, was like, yeah, I'll vote for you. I was just testing you. You got to work for my vote, <laughs> and it's this kind of vibe, and it just it's a bit icky, you know. Um, so it's been really challenging. And then the other thing is, you know, as a parent with young kids the traditional campaign model doesn't really work for us it's weekends and it's evenings like I'm out every night of the week um I've started picking my kids up from school now so I can spend time with them for a couple hours in the afternoon uh so that's been really hard and actually I've been really interested in how to shift that and then I realized that, you know, I don't need to shift the system as well at the same time. Um, but, you know, th- doing things like phone calling during the day or going out leafleting during the day and that kind of stuff. And, and also getting my other parent friends to come and help me in hours that are family friendly. 
Um, and I've got a bit of a pram brigade where we go out and deliver leaflets and stuff, which is quite cute. But, um, yeah, that, that's been a big thing. As, as a young parent, like, you don't engage in the stuff. You don't have time. You're exhausted. Mm. You're not going to go to an evening meeting when I meet the candidates. So um, really interested in doing stuff like this where, you know, I can put it on my socials and go, hey, we had a really good conversation about X, Y, Z, and then people can listen to it in their own time or engage in a way that is it's going to work for them. So that's kind of been a big one for me. Oh, we're nearly at the end of our time. Um, what's the next thing up for you and on the campaign trail? Um, well, I guess we've got a few more Meet the Candidates. So we had the first one last Wednesday and then another one at 7am on Friday. Wow. Yep. Um, trying to get me to be snappy at 7am was a, an interesting one. Um, but look, I'm really enjoying those. I think partly because, you know, I'm able to, I guess really solidify because you hear from people, right? And you, you the questions you get really are rep, you know often representative of what's important to the community that's present, um, and so kind of solidify I guess my own views on things and 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 get a bit of a picture of, of individual communities, um, and also other candidates and understanding what their values are. Um, some of them I've been really impressed by and really you know people I'd be really stoked to work alongside. And some who are actually, frankly, I've been really dismayed. Really, really awful um, behaviour and kind of comments on on some of our most vulnerable people. Sounds like you're staunch. You are the person to stand up to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, on our first Meet the Candidates, I did get a little bit uh, sassy um, and, and call out my fellow candidates on that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I have to, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, so... We're, we're all potentially going to work together at some point. So it's not personal. It's just about, you know, making sure we can find common ground with where our values are. Hey, well, thanks heaps for coming in and talking to us and doing an extra long show today as well. <laughs> um, it's been really good to hear about some of your background and so forth. And um, thanks also, Trish, for <laughs> giving us some community notices. Great. I'll bring more the next time. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, yeah, Listen up again this time next week, 5 o'clock next week on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, or you can listen on the website as well, which is just www.accessradio.org.nz. And, yeah, we'll we'll have some another guest in next week and hopefully the week after, and we'll be back on the airwaves. That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.